1: Folks, if you think you're going to just skip down the road and we're going to train dogs and you're going to have a dog out there at 100 yards on his own pointing and holding birds and stuff like that, and there's not going to be any correction, something's wrong. Because training without anger or no emotion is where you really get stuff done. And if you've got to get yourself angry to do it, you're not doing it for the right reasons. Have you ever
0: shot a bird that just keeps on flying and you're standing there saying, I swear I hit that bird. Well, good news. Maybe it might not be you, but rather your shotgun. Go check out uplandguncompany.com and construct the perfect shotgun that is not only built to your exact physical specifications, but your preferred looks as well. To some people, a shotgun not only has to perform but look good while doing it also. Upland Gun Company has made this process super convenient and surprisingly affordable when you consider all of the completely customizable features. Get your shotgun order submitted today so you're standing there with your dog saying fetch rather than standing there still saying, I couldn't have missed that bird. All right, everybody. Welcome back to another week of GDIY presented by Standing Stone Supply. This week, I have the privilege of sitting across the table from uh, the legendary Rick Smith. Uh, we've been up here doing the uh, my first Smith seminar at Webfoot Outdoors at Mark and Martha's in New York. And uh, Rick, I appreciate you taking the time to come on and, and talk bird dogs and kind of the Smith method overall.
1: Glad to be here. Yep. Glad we could cross paths.
0: Yeah. So, you know, we were just kind of talking. We've been talking all morning. I wish that we had the record on too. the we entire had, morning. We had a
1: good conversation. We did. It, it,
0: it's the Smith method. It's... It, And a a lot of avenues in the bird dog world doesn't even need kind of an introduction. Everybody's kind of heard of the Smith Method, but there's a lot of stuff that we went through this weekend that I'm going to get to and and kind of grill you and, and ask a bunch of questions. But first, I want to get to know you a little bit better. The listeners get to know you a little bit better. You know, where did, how did Rick Smith come into the bird dog world and, and the influences in your thought process outside of just maybe even just your dad, Delmar, and, and all that stuff. Because like I said, you guys are kind of an institution in the bird dog world. So kind of introduce yourself and, and let's go back in time and how you kind of became Rick Smith.
1: Well, what a good question. Um, obviously, my father was a bird dog trainer. Technically still is, because he is alive, and he still messes with dogs. My older brother is a dog trainer. Uh, my cousin Ronnie is a dog trainer. My uncle, my favorite uncle, Ronnie Sr., was a dog trainer. My grandfather was a dog trainer. His brother was a dog trainer. Now, where else do you think I'm going to end up? <laughs> <laughs> you had a few influences in yeah, life, Yeah, right. Uh, you know, I think as much as anything, though, um, I like to think I'm a student of the game. Uh, I, just, I just like that history. I like the, the traditions, the uh, uh, trainers, uh, not just pointers or labs or Britneys or setters or whatever, just very successful, uh, legendary trainers. Mm-hmm. I look up to that. Yeah. Still do.
0: Now you, We were just talking about <laughs> that earlier today. You are talking about continuing education. You know, you've been doing this for 50 years or however long it's been, and you're still out there trying to learn. You're still out there listening to alternative ideas and how to do this. And you were mentioning it the other day too, on Friday on the tailgate is the people that really care are always learning.
1: I've, you know, I've had people that come to this, have come to the seminar and some very significant names, not because I'm good. They just wanted to make certain that I didn't have something that they didn't have, <laughs> and they wanted it. Uh, that's not a slam on the people saying, and a lot of people want to say, oh, well, does that mean Rick Smith's better? No, it doesn't. It doesn't mean that at all. It means, uh, and myself included, if you're not continuing, continuing your own education, you're going backwards. Because everything is, is, is changing. Uh, obviously, what we, the way we're training now uh, is a lot of difference. Technically, it's the same, but it's a lot of difference with the tools we have now and the thinking that we have. Mm-hmm. Uh, meaning, and I'll, I'll go straight to like uh, the e-collars. The, uh, the e- 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 and uh, we say e-collars because that needs to be politically correct because it, it's not a shock collar. And they say, oh, yeah, it's a shock collar. Well, it's not if you're using it correctly and so that's done uh you know when we've got low level stimulation and variable intensity at our fingertips i mean it gave the dog trainers a huge leap forward probably the biggest leap forward in advancements in training of anything in my lifetime uh, which i started training professionally in 1969 so um yeah, and the more the more you're around those people that have really been successful and legends, uh, and if you listen listen close enough, there's always little jewels being dropped. Mm-hmm.
0: So. Yeah, and I mean that's what we're doing here. I mean it's like if you come to something like this seminar and Ronnie's mm-hmm. seminars, I'm sure I, you know mm-hmm. I'm gonna make it to one of those eventually as well. It's it's just as much important as the information that you're you, you kind of see in between the lines the stuff it's not even so much what you're saying up front it's just watching it and being open to catching all the information and stuff you know Mark was talking about you're you so adept at this method now that you're doing stuff that most people aren't even picking up on, and it's, and it's not even being conveyed in, in your own words. You're just doing it. It just kind of comes second nature to you at this point.
1: Because of doing it for so long and, and reading the dogs and things like that, and I try when I'm, uh, especially in the seminars, and when I'm doing something, I try to talk everybody through it, what's going through my mind. But after you do something for so long, uh, you don't even think about it. You just do it. Mm-hmm. You, you respond to it. And I hate that in, in myself. He says, well, you know, explain that. And I'm thinking, everyone knows that. No, they don't. And it's not that I'm, I'm brilliant. I think I was lucky to be around the people that I've been around and still been around. Yeah. You mentioned Mark and Martha. Uh, you know, we, I've been coming up here at their place at Webfoot. Uh, we was trying to figure I don't know, seven, eight, nine, ten years now. And uh, I'm going to tell you what, uh, myself, I learned a lot from them. And one of the things, or one of the several things, um, the people I get to be around, even at the ones maybe I taught, and I believe this, if you're a good teacher and you have a good student, you will become the student, mm-hmm. because it should get better each, each generation or each, each layer of, of, of people. You, you understand what I'm saying? Absolutely.
0: Yeah. I, I think I heard you ask more questions this weekend to other people than the actual people that paid to come learn. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, whether it was to Mark and Martha or even asking just the people attending the seminar, you're asking questions. And so, you know, to further the point, continued education, learn from everybody. There's a lesson everywhere you look if you're actually looking. Yeah, And so, Let's go back in time when, when you're growing up, you have all those influences. You have the family members. You know, you just said you, your family is dog trainers. Uh-huh. I mean, that's that's where you stem from. So, right. you know, talk to me about the influences and what it was like growing up in, you know under Delmar and and just being around all that what was it like was everybody trying to help each other get better or was it kind of like we find ourselves in the dog training world now where a lot of people are like I'm doing it this way you do it your way cool you know wh-
1: what was it like back then first starting out well we were all all of those trainers were in competition and uh, obviously to get the best out of your dog you got to do that so that you can get get have a better performance than, than say a good friend Uh, because a lot of the trainers are real good friends with each other, but they, they still got to beat each other. Right. And, and they can even, uh, still do. I don't, I don't pay as much attention to it now because I'm on the road so much, uh, doing these seminars. Um, you know, you know, I'm trying to get my words together. Uh, yeah, we're going to help each other. A lot of people think of, uh, trainers are at each other's throat well, we may argue sure we do debate or have different opinions and stuff like that but it's all uh it's all when it's all said and done everyone's i mean really good friends and have a lot of great respect and i i enjoy that mm-hmm. yeah. so you
0: mean to tell me that some dog trainers don't agree on everything <laughs> that that's that, right. is,
1: that is a great statement you better believe it yeah, yeah.
0: And, and I mean it's just fascinating to where you know I, I love talking to guys such as yourself for obvious reasons you got you've been around I mean it's just you know <laughs> the stories and, and stuff that you don't even really think are that important because it's your life you've lived it and stuff yeah. but I mean just stuff that you have mentioned in passing throughout the weekend like the the belly band idea you know i I need you to tell that story of how the belly band came about with the e-collar you were talking about that yesterday as if it was just common knowledge just like oh it's just a throwaway idea that that you had once upon a time and me and mark are looking at each other i'm like how in the world we're sitting here talking about the development of the belly band with the e-collar and there's just so much information such as that with just you and your family training dogs and figuring stuff out making it up as you go
1: along well, first of all, the, I'll, I'll talk about the belly band, but there's things that, let's go to the woe post, mm-hmm. and uh, dad gets a lot of credit for that, developing the woe post. I have found that, I had, and I've got other friends looking in old books. There's a friend of mine found the woe peg in a book in Europe in the early 1800s. So it's not new. It's not new. It's used differently. But it's not new. Uh, we start. Uh, Ronnie and I say, I, like I'm I'm 75 now. And Ronnie's 15 years younger than I. And and uh, uh, we've been using the Woe post since 19 uh, well 69. We, we technically we used it a little differently. Uh, but where the uh, the uh, belly band come in, and I'm just about bet there were probably several other trainers. Everybody's trying to figure things out what's going to be be better. I'm with Dad. We're on our training grounds. This is, uh, I don't know, maybe 19, uh, I don't know, maybe, I'm going to say 71, something like that. And Phil Dobbs, which was with Tritronics, and he was uh, and and he's alive and he's still doing very well. I haven't seen him or talked to him in a long time, but he came and he was visiting with Dad and I just happened to be there and he was showing uh, Dad, uh, putting a the strap of the collar on the flank with the receiver on the top of the back. All dogs move away from stimulation. And uh, uh, no, we didn't have any thought on that. And he, he stimulated the dog and the dog sat because he moved away from the stimulation. And it wasn't a shock. It was a, it was a cue and it was, it was a, a real light uh, stimulation. And as I'm sitting there and watching that and I said, well, if it works on the back, why won't it work on the belly? Which a dog will stand up instead of sit down, and that's where I got it. And then I called up uh, Ronnie. I, man, I'm uh, uh, I was pretty young at that time, but anyway, I said, "Let's try this." And Ronnie has perfected this this woe stuff. Man, he has got he has got this thing down to a T.
0: That's what you're saying this weekend. If yeah. you really want to dive deep on the woe post, Ronnie's the guy. You
1: get with Ronnie. Ronnie and Suzanne. And uh, uh, the bird dog training world's in good shape if you just stay in in contact with them. Uh, So, but I didn't, I didn't really uh, discover it. Probably wasn't even the first one that did it. I was the first one that I knew did it, but that doesn't mean uh, I was the first one. Yeah. Uh, it was that's di- where it came from it was
0: a different world back then somebody could have been doing it clear on the other side of the oh, country absolutely. and you have no idea you know there was no Facebook or Instagram yes. or YouTube right. you know right. but y- you figured out a way to make it work within your system and so you know when you're training these dogs people get a lot of crazy ideas or notions and let's go let's go try it but yeah. a lot of time it's met with you know derision or or skepticism almost but if you don't come up with those ideas and think outside the box, you're never progressing the actual dog training. And, and it's like, you don't lose sight of the actual principles of dog training, but the tools and processes that we we utilize, those should be ever evolving. You said yeah, that today. Absolutely. You, you, should never, you, know, you should fast forward 10 years and a lot of the stuff that we're using today should grow into something else or it, else we're not trying. It
1: may be the same stuff, but it's a little bit different. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah. I mean, if you're not trying to advance, you're going backwards. Mm-hmm. You're either going forward or you're going backwards. You can't stand still, yep. period. And, uh, uh, you know, what I saw when I was watching it, I wasn't interested in having dogs sit because I wasn't working in any labs, but I thought, wow, if I could move that around to the belly, now I can, with a low stimulation, I can touch that, and we we had different ways of making... Uh, Low stimulation at that time because we only had one button and it was hot. And, you know, uh, our our collars are are called shock collars. And it's a bad name for it, not because it's politically correct or not, but people think of it. Mm -hmm. If you're thinking, uh, well, I'm on a shock, I'm on a shock. Well, you're using it wrong. Uh, but anyway, I, I thought, okay, if we could do that on the belly, I can, I can stop a dog at 100 yards or 200 yards or whatever distance I wanted to. I didn't have to be right with them, have my hands physically on them. I wanted to be able to do it at a distance. Was it working that good at that time? No, because we didn't have that real low stimulation. The lower we got the stimulation, and that's when it really became a cueing collar, where we can we teach a dog what they're supposed to do with the check cord the command lead the check cord and then we will overlay it with the uh, with the e-collar so that we can cue them cue them to turn cue them to come to us cue them to stop and again, we can flip it back up on the on the hips, and we can have a dog, a flushing breed. He flushes a bird. We can cue him to sit. Now that does not mean we put it right on them and go out and go to working birds. That's where we're always in a hurry as people. You got to you got to go through these steps slowly, and when you go to thinking, I'm going to get it done quicker, easier, stuff like that. If you look at the e-collar as a as a shortcut, as a uh, quick fix. You, you're, you've missed the point. Mm-hmm.
0: And we heard that how many times this weekend. The two most dangerous things you can hear in dog training is the word quick as well as let's see what happens. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I want to talk about the progression of the e-collar because you're talking about when they came out, you had one button, you had one level of stem, but yeah. it, it it allowed you to bring in that degree of separation to where they're not right at your side or just running amok for free where you can't reinforce something from afar what were what were you guys doing
1: prior to the e-collars was everything check cord work it was check cord work we was riding horseback letting them drag a check cord and and i've literally myself would when i was younger and could do it I'd ride a horse up next to the check cord while the dogs maybe chasing birds and jump off the horse to, to catch the check cord. Now I didn't break my neck doing that. I don't know. But uh, you know, I was at a young age, and, and that's just kind of wild and crazy things you do. Yeah, you you yeah. didn't think anything of it at no. the time. it's just what we do. Right? Yeah, that's what you do. Yeah, and and those real good those real good uh, uh, training horses, and they would get pretty smart on it. You, you had and actually this is where like a twenty foot check cord came from. Say a dog was chasing birds, you'd run that horse up and and get right over that rope, and eventually he the horse would hit the rope and and you'd yell, whoa, at the same time. I mean, it was kind of hairy. <laughs> but it worked. Yeah. You know, it worked at that time. Do we do that now? No, don't have to. There's easier ways. Absolutely.
0: More efficient and ways. If we,
1: and if I, we, everybody, and there's, there's a lot of uh, trainers out there. Tom Dawkins, one of the best ones out there. That guy, I don't think he's the greatest trainer. I, he, actually, he's the best innovator. And I'm not saying he's not a good trainer, but he's a better innovator because he's coming up with a lot of these stuff that that helps us trainers, you Mm -hmm. know, stuff like that. And please don't hear that I said he's not the best trainer. He's just, he's, I think he does us more service, us, me, other trainers, people, uh, stuff like that, because of all the the stuff he's designed. I asked Tina, his wife one time, I said, when he goes to bed at night, does he go to sleep? He says, no, he's thinking all the time. (laughs) Never shuts it off. That's exactly right.
0: (laughs) Yeah. And I mean, I think that's, that's important to, again, back to our previous point to where, you know, sometimes it just takes a creative mindset to where, man, I understand the concept. The principle is no different. I wish there was a way to be able yes. to do this in a de- better way. And there's a difference between being a trainer and an innovator to where a lot of people function within their box, and then some people are just better about thinking outside of that box Absolutely. and making it better for everybody.
1: Yes, yes.
0: And mm-hmm. it, and so the horses, that's kind of intriguing of, of how you're jumping off the horse, you're having the horse step on the check cord and everything. Back in the day, I mean – you, you had, guys had to train horses just to train your dogs. And what's interesting to me is I get the privilege of talking to people week in, week out, and it's amazing how much commonality there is between horse training and dog training. There's a lot of differences as well, too. But just the fact of trying to put myself in the headspace of for me to train my dog, I have to first train my horse. How much benefit did you get from having to do both. Did,
1: did one make you better at the other? Oh yeah, absolutely. Uh, first of all, uh, f- and most, uh, most dog trainers like riding horses. So it plays in. Uh, a dog trainer or a lot of dog trainers want to be dog trainers and field trialers because they're riding horses mm-hmm. and going, getting to go to different places and, and uh, uh, seeing different land and, and scenery and stuff like that. I think that has as much to do with it. And, you know, you said, well, so you trained horses. I said, no, never did train horses. I said, well, how'd you, how'd you get them doing what you, we just wet saddle blankets. You know, you rode them hard. Yeah. You, what's hard? You know, you, we gotta be careful how words we use nowadays, which is kind of foolish, but anyway, it is what it is. Hard means like all day, not a 15 minute little jog around the arena or something like that. Uh, there are lots of field trials that not as many as there used to be with multiple course uh you 'd take off in in the morning at at seven thirty and you 'd be back at that same place at noon you 'd take off for an hour eat and then you'd take off again you know you 'd be in the saddle for eight hours you do that you 'd be surprised how quickly it, the horses train right yeah
0: and and you were telling a story yesterday about how horses respond differently to electronic stimulation than dogs well they do (laughs) so so, but but you know the story and I want you to tell the story here in a second but that stood out to me in the fact that you weren't you didn't just stop at innovating with the dog training you were still trying to make the horses work better for you because that may in turn made you a better dog handler and trainer you're trying to apply the same concept to the to the horse and trying new things
1: animals and we're in the animal kingdom. I don't think they even teach that anymore, but we are. Uh, so there's a lot of a lot of similarities there too. But uh, what the incident you're talking about? This was um, oh, I was probably in my early 20s. I'm pretty certain now. It's been a long time ago. Uh, Tom and I. Tom's my brother. He had a horse, uh, a roping horse, and we got to thinking, uh, you know, if we, we put the uh, the transmitter. I mean, not the, the yeah, the the receiver on the saddle horn. And then we had two wires going down to the breast collar with probes. And we thought, in theory, this thing's going to work good. You know, I guess that's all inventions, had, crash or whatever. But anyway, I wanted to just barely touch my reins and say back at the same time. I didn't want to kick him. I didn't want to uh, yank on, a, on his bit. I just wanted to real lightly say back, and then we would uh, uh, stimulate him and he'd back up. It makes perfect sense. The animals move away from stimulation. Well, the only thing is, uh, at that time, if we'd have had the collars we got now, it probably would have really, worked and worked great because we'd have had a light stimulation and he had just backed away. And we could have taught him uh, just back and he'd just back up. Well, it was... Um, uh, that time it was full blown. It's like a shock. It was a shock collar, a uh, cattle prod, and you know I don't I don't resent uh, the, the wreck that come out of that. It broke my cheekbone. He fell over on top of me. Uh, but you know if we don't do that stuff, we don't advance. Mm-hmm. You know, so you got to take a risk. You have to try new. Yeah, and I still things. have some, a plate and some screws in,
0: in my face. So. Yeah. <laughs> Well, you already mentioned the, the, the Wopeg and kind of the yeah. influence into the Woe Post, which is obviously, we talked about when you talk about the Smith Method, a lot of people <clears throat> automatically go into the Woe Post. They mm-hmm. think that the Woe Post is the Smith Method, and it's really just one aspect of the Smith Method overall. But you talk about advancement. Talk to me about the progression of your guys' methods of where it kind of started with with the with the different collars and then what it's kind of built into now where we're using a lot of e-collars now and just the natural progression of going with the times. I know that's a loaded question. We can't yeah. hit an, on everything, yeah. but just tell me about the thought process and how you guys have well, built it to today. Know, i
1: I've, I've getting a lot of credit and said Rick Smith's silent command system. It's not mine. There's old books. I mean, 100-year-old books talking about don't be talking when you're, when you're training your dogs. And as people, we have a tendency to really keep the mouth going, and it really disrupts the training process. And uh, you're real good, successful, winning uh, trainers for at least 100 years, if not more. Uh, you'll see little Is Now, be real quiet when you're working a dog on birds and stuff like that. So this is not new. Maybe it's because of social media and stuff like that, and it sounds like it, it's Rick and Ronnie's silent command system. It's not ours. It's, we're just extending it. So probably Ronnie and I really talk more about people keep quiet, teach your dog, do what you want them to do first, and then name it. And in reality, uh, the naming it is probably the easiest thing you do, and the least important thing that you'll do. These dogs, they're pack animals. They do this, and you say, well, where do you get all this, this crazy thinking, Rick? Well, let's put them in a pack. They're pack animals, okay? Wolves, coyotes, uh, and, and, and they've got studies, DNA, where our dogs come down from the wolves. So it is genetic. And they say, oh, well, they've been domesticated for 100, 200 years. But I'm going to tell you, the DNA stays there. All right, so what am I trying to talk about? If they go out on a hunt, there's a 10 of made of them. Six or fifteen, however big the pack is, they are silent. If they're going to go out and circle something and catch it and kill it and eat it, out in the wild, if they're all barking and wrestling and raising cane and stuff, they're not going to catch nothing because all the game's going to spook away. They they watch each other. They pay attention. This is their job. Our dogs, our bird dogs, today will trace back to this. It's their job to pay attention where we're at and which way we're going, not because we screamed, hollered, blew our whistles and stuff like that. Uh, It's their job to pay attention. I'm not saying they're looking at us all the time because they can, and we've watched a lot of this just this weekend when we had several dogs out and we'd be walking, and I'd say, take a hard left. No one says a word dogs like they uh, two or three dogs went went off to the right at one o'clock or something like that. And then we turned back to nine o'clock. It didn't take but just a matter of minutes before those dogs noticed we were going another way. And it's their job to go to the front. Mm -hmm. If we're not going any place when we stop. And I get a lot of debate on this. Maybe I'm wrong. I don't believe I am. But anyway, uh, when we stop, they're not supposed to self-hunt. So where do I get that? Well, the pack, if the pack leader lays down and someone in the pack goes out and keeps goofing off, he's not going to catch anything by himself. But he spooks everything away. So when the pack gets up to go hunt, there's nothing there because they've been spooked out. You say, well, again, and, and I hear this a lot. Uh, but it, it doesn't sway me any differently. Uh, if you're out there, opening season, opening day, pheasant, quail, I don't care what it is, you're going to get more shots because they haven't been bugged. But after a couple of, uh, couple of hunting days, you go out there and you start whistling, blowing your, blowing your whistle and yelling, screaming, hollering, stuff like that. Things start moving out of the way. I've, I've been on a hunt truck several times in South Texas and, you know, just those diesels and they go poof, 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 just idling alone, you know. And you'd see a Covey, say, 100 a, a yards away, just lift up and just move out of the way, not go very far. So if, if someone goes after you with a shotgun one time and then you hear the same sound, what are you going to do? You're going to bail out. You're going to move. So if you're going out there quietly, you're more apt to find more game. Mm-hmm. That's To me, that's just plain... Uh, common sense and, and simple.
0: And, th- and there's a lot of ways to think about the silent approach to that. I mean, yeah. even even us as a species, like back to your point, we're in, we're in the animal kingdom. What do we say all the time? Yeah. Lead by example. It's not yeah. lead by preaching to people or getting on your soapbox. It's lead by example. And so we kind of say the same thing within ourselves. Yeah. And uh, it, it's just interesting to me how we, we hear that all the time. you know. It, when I entered the world, I, you, you're told all the time the best tool in the toolbox that you can have or in your vest, whatever, is a roll of duct tape. Put it over your mouth and go out there. And uh, there's other ways of phrasing it, too, to where it's like say less
1: so that when you do have to say something, it actually means something. It does mean something. I think um, the easiest thing you can ever do is the hardest thing that you will ever do, and that's be quiet. <laughs> it's just we're prone to to speak.
0: We all think that we have, mm-hmm. you know, the the words that will change the world for everybody at, at any yeah. given time.
1: Well, that and that gets back to you know you get around these. Uh, I, I had a, a great conversation this a long time ago. Very proud of this with Bob Whaley fifty years ago of LHU and uh, I just stopped by to say hello to him. I was coming up to New York to do do some trials at uh, uh, Baldwinsville and the Snow Fun Preserve and. And I stopped by, I called him, and asked him if I'd just come by. I wanted to meet him, and it was the year he got elected in the Field Trial Hall of Fame. And he started asking me questions, and I said, "Man, that that amazed me. I'm, I'm I'm green behind the ears. You know what I'm saying?" And I said, "But I didn't come here to to uh, answer questions. I came here to ask questions." And uh, that that. Right then, here's a guy that just got elected into the Field Tri-Hall of Fame. He's got as much influence over porners as maybe anybody in the history of, of uh, English porners. And he's asking me? Mm-hmm. Are you kidding me? He's asking me questions? Well, what'd that, what that tell me? He's still searching. Yeah. He's still checking. He's still, his education is still expanding and he, he was known as an expert genetic type of guy, not just dogs. His family and chickens and cattle and horses and stuff like that. I mean, these, these people have done real stuff. Right.
0: Yeah. Well, and I had a, a, a recent experience similar to that right there to where a legend in one aspect of the dog world reached out to me recently. He yeah. had retired from one section and got into a new section. I'm not going to mention his name because I don't yeah. want to name drop. It doesn't yeah. matter.
1: Yeah.
0: But he's just another legend and he's trying something new. He reached out to me asking me questions and I had to remind him, like, you know way more than I will ever know yeah. about dogs. You know the <clears throat> answer to this. I can give you my thoughts all day long, but you're asking me. Meanwhile, you've touched the thousands of dogs, not yeah. me. And to your point, it's just like, it made me take stock and recognize the fact that he's retired. He's still trying to learn. He's, he's going out. He's trying new things. He's asking me, who's. I'm just doing a podcast, and he's <laughs> asking me my thoughts on things. And, I, and, and it's just like, why are you asking me questions?
1: That's why he's at the level he's at. He, he knows that you're uh, interviewing lots of icons, and he wants to know, hey, did you pick up something that I don't have? Yeah. I, and you were right. He he still had it. He had all that stuff in his own toolbox, but he's still searching. Those type of people are, are always searching. And and a lot of people think, well, he must not be as good as he thinks he is. If he needs to ask, uh, like Mr. Whaley uh, asked me and I'm thinking, no, that's why they're at the level they're at. The, they're at. Mm-hmm. If you think, you know, everything you're going backwards.
0: Yeah. I mean, and, and it's, forget all that it's just boring if you know everything who wants to be at the top of uh, of a profession to where it's like i've learned everything that there is to learn
1: and th- th- there's never a top you're headed for the top
0: yeah i would i mean you would be bored if you're just doing yeah. the same thing in and out right. the same exact right. way you, you mm-hmm. know if, if you're not always looking to that
1: next step and, and lots of times you know myself or anyone <laughs> else uh and some of the guys that's maybe come to me and they says no nah, that ain't for me that's fine but they're still searching Mm-hmm. You know, those those are the guys to listen to, right?
0: And it, and it's interesting to where there's always something to, new to learn, something to make oh, us absolutely. better. But also, mm-hmm. dog training is dog training. The principles of dog training haven't changed since. You know, the species have been developed. And I mean, it's like so many things that we're sitting here. We've already said, be quiet. How many legends and and proven people have to say the exact same thing? Keep your mouth shut before people think, hmm,
1: maybe I should keep my mouth shut, right? Well, you know, and and it's even a lot of people, this is so common. I like you go out to the Dakotas and you're going to go pheasant hunting and you got a, a newbie with you. And he's, he's excited. And, all right, this is where we're going to start our hunt. And he jumps out and slams the door. Right. And the pheasants, 200 yards flush. I says, load back up. we got to go to a different <laughs> place now. I mean, it's the same deal. Yeah. You know. You, you have to learn. And,
0: I mean, besides just the silent thing, you know, it's, I, I've said this phrase numerous times throughout the years on the podcast. And, again, this is my first Smith Smith seminar. And, it goes back to the principle or the foundation of that you're only asking three things of these dogs: to go with, stay, and go away. Like that, yeah. that those are the three things. Yeah. And how many times did you repeat that this weekend alone? You probably get sick of. You've probably said it a million times by well, now.
1: You know, yeah. You know, people, I've, I've had people say, "I bet you get tired of saying that stuff." Not really. Mm-hmm. It's uh, you know to, it, because it is that basic. Uh, and and. If you really want to help someone, you got to keep saying it because I know myself and I've, I've been, able, we had a great conversation this morning. It's too bad we didn't uh, uh, record it. But anyway, the more times you hear something, the more it's going to sink in. Mm-hmm.
0: Well, we talk about the number of repetitions for the dogs to yep. a, start buying into the, the learned behavior, let alone mastering it. I think, you know, I think Mark said that he got it from Ronnie, that it's 75 repetitions before the learned behavior is starting to kick in. And then it's something like 250 reps before they, you know, we master something. Uh,
1: now, he might have got that from Ronnie, but I'm not for certain. Um, I think because he with what he did, he taught at West Point. And I think those, those kind of facts, and, and, if, and if, if Ronnie told him that, I, I hate to say it, maybe it wasn't, and because there's no one I think highly, higher of than Ronnie Smith and Susanna. Susanna's kind of inching ab- above Ronnie, but anyway. <laughs> <laughs> I'll keep that in
0: mind when yeah. I finally get to meet him. Oh,
1: man. She is a jewel. Uh, I think he's getting that from his military training, that repetition, those right. facts, you know, where where it takes so many times to do it, where it becomes you're not even thinking about it. You're just doing it. It's learned behavior. It's a habit and all of that stuff. And, and I think that's where I worry about people uh, leaving the seminar and thinking, OK, we got this done and we got that done here this weekend. No, you didn't. You just got started. Right. And and build it in, and build it in. The we, we, They just finished the uh, PGA Golf uh, uh, Championship, H- actually r- right down here in Rochester, New York. And those, the best players, the best players in the world in that tournament, okay? Every morning, this is the best in the world, every morning, how many golf balls are they hitting before the tournament even starts? It's a lot to be 100, maybe 200, I don't know. But... If they have to practice and tune up and stuff like that to be, and they're the best, and they're making lots of money and winning and stuff like that, it's the same for us, Mm -hmm. our dogs, us as people or whatever. If if we think we can, I don't need to tune up, man, you're missing it.
0: Right. Mm -hmm. Well, I mean, the first morning, Friday morning of the (laughs) seminar, you get a dog that had an issue and you addressed it. And you made it very clear to the entire class, like, you might think we fixed this problem. We didn't. It's still there. Mm -hmm. We just momentarily, but we started it. We started to fix it. Now it's on you to actually go home and and fix it. Right, right. And I think that's what a lot of people fail to realize you know I, I'm reminded of a, a, a friend of the podcast anybody listening they know Scott Caldwell you pr- heard us mention him mm-hmm. a few times with mm-hmm. me and Mark and and he kind of put it into words a, a few years ago for me is like all we're trying to do in dog training is remove the gray area we yeah. want to make it as black and white as there possible and the number of repetitions that we do over and over and over again you can call it muscle memory you can call it you know just making it second nature you can call it whatever you want but that's all we're doing is trying to make mm-hmm. it black and white mm-hmm. and so yesterday when, when the <clears throat> seminar wraps up. Everybody's leaving. Mark comes up to me. And he's like, well, what, what did you get from this seminar? And, and you know, out of expectations. And I, I truly came into this without expectations. I try to c- come into this whole dog world without expectations mm-hmm. as much as possible. But I told him, and this was before we even got to talking about all this stuff, the thing that I admired most is there was no gray area with you. When somebody asked a question, it was not met with, well, it depends. Well, context, like bigger picture, it was black and white. It was just, you knew it. It's, this is the answer. You're going to go with it. And there was not a single question that you just didn't didn't go into. Like, you weren't afraid to, you, you talk to a lot of trainers now, and they want to dance around some things. And it's hard to do because it's such a big picture. As you said, you've been doing this for so long. You, you don't even rem- recall, you can't even put into words the connection of some of this stuff. You just know it, and then that's it. It's like you've worked this entire time to remove all the gray area in your own head as opposed to just the dogs as well.
1: Well, I appreciate you saying that, uh, the, and, I, and I believe this wholeheartedly. First of all, you've got to buy in, and I'm bought in. I bought in because it was talking about that dog. He's wanting to lay down on the wall post and stuff like that. And, and I knew immediately if he's wanting to lay down on the wall post, and that's a problem that was trained into him. Okay. Uh, and teaching him to stand up. Have Was I was I apprehensive that it might not work? I don't I didn't know the dog. I wouldn't know the dog if he walked in here right now because we had several dogs, mm-hmm. uh, but I know that if it's done correctly, it's going to work. Now, this is one thing that, that helps me, and I, I, actually I hate it in little ways. Uh, I'll be 76 next month, and if I do something that offends somebody and social media puts me out overnight, it's time to quit anyway, <laughs> which is a shame not for me but for all the dog trainers. Right. There's a lot of good dog trainers. If you leave them alone, there's times you've got to correct something. And and with the way society is now, uh, you know, when you're talking about uh, tap dancing around uh, with, a, with an answer or something, you're worrying. The reason they're tap dancing around is not that they've got an idea and they've got their thought, just like I was doing, but they're scared to say it because how's people going to perceive it? Mm-hmm. And I'm glad we're getting to this because when you, when you talk, when you ask about doing a podcast, this is where I really wanted to get. Because... There's got to be some corrections. Mm-hmm. Folks, if you think that you're you're, you're going to just uh, skip down the road and we're going to train dogs and you're going to have a dog out there at 100 yards on his own pointing and holding birds and stuff like that, and there's not going to be any corrections, something's wrong. We're seeing this in our nation right now. There's got to be corrections in almost everything. Now, is correction a bad word? It's kind of got that away now. What do you mean? What are you, what are you doing? I'm sure a lot of people that's listening right now. Well, just what is your correction? How how severe is it? Is that is that inhumane? Is that well? If you get angry, it is inhumane. Now that's that's some big words right there, because training without anger or no emotion is where you really get stuff done. Right. And if you've got to get yourself angry to do it. You're not doing it for the right reasons. Uh, let's, let's just say, because I'm going to tell you, these dogs, and a lot of people don't want to believe this, are, are pets. Most of these dogs, when I first started, actually all of them, when I first started training, all these bird dogs were staying in the kennel. 90% of them now, and I'm just saying 90, I don't know the exact number or whatever, because there's not been a study. Probably they're living in the house. Mm-hmm. There's nothing wrong with that but they learn to get away with stuff. Oh, I didn't want you chewing up that good purse, all right? You know, they need to be corrected. Well, okay, everyone's probably listening. So just what is that correction? You know, with what we can do now and we did several times, we did several corrections this weekend. We show them with uh, what what they're not supposed to do. What is it they're not supposed to do? They're not supposed to be fighting with another dog. They're not supposed to be jumping on some other people. And I'm not talking about jumping, biting, and stuff like that. Um, Any kind of undesirable behavior. What is that? Digging? Chewing? Barking? uh, Marking? Marking, yeah. Marking? uh, Explain that a little better. Marking? You know, animals, all animals will mark territory. This is our territory. You know, they they express their anal gland or they take a leak. These dogs that we ran this weekend, we started teaching them, they don't take leaks here. Why? Or marking because they don't own this property. They will never own this property. Mark and Martha's dogs don't own this property. It's their property. They're just a pack member, and they need to know that. And if you don't address that kind of stuff, they're going to say, well, this bird here is mine. No, no it isn't. It's mine. Now we're back to that discussion. Who's going to eat this bird? So, you know, it it gets down to that that basic stuff. It is that basic stuff. It's going to always be that basic stuff. We've got to operate with what they understand. You saw me bump uh, several dogs with my knee at their shoulder. Why do I do that? Am I so brilliant? I just thought of something real smart. No, I've, I've watched a and pups run side by side, slamming each other at the shoulder, not at the head, not at the rib cage, not at the rear end, not biting each other. I mean, bumping each other. Oh, go turn two pups and see what they do. That's dominance behavior. So what we need to do is, when that dog comes up to you and they'll automatically crowd you, we think they oh they love me. And, and they love that we say, oh, we like that, because you're telling them, yes, you're in charge. Then when we go to have the discussion around birds, they think, well, I'm in charge. Or how about walking out the door? You open that door, and that dog accidentally hits you going out, accidental. It's not accidental. It's dominance. Does that mean he's a bad dog? No, he's not a bad dog. He's just a dog. We forgot that there are still dogs. That doesn't mean that's That's bad. Ronnie's got a great saying. He says, when you treat your dog like a human, your dog's going to treat you like a dog. <laughs> is that bad? Is that stupid? Is that wrong? No. But who wants to be in charge? If you're not going to be in charge, somebody's got to be in charge. That is what these seminars are about. These dogs need a leader. The thing is, when they when their owners step up and become good leaders, the dogs are more comfortable. Yeah. They They like it. It's the structure. It's the structure. It's been going on for a million years in the animal, animal kingdom. Horses, I, any kind of you look out and you see any kind of herd uh, cattle, someone's in charge. Yeah. Someone's got to be in charge. You know, Mark, I, I love uh, doing seminars around him because he's he's taught at West Point, and he is he has been in a situation where someone's got to be in charge when he's overseas. I mean serious stuff, and I don't mean to minimize what he's done in his lifetime and compare it, but it's the same. Somebody's got to be in charge. It's more important when he was doing what he was doing to be in charge because people's lives depend on it. Well, these dogs' lives depend on it also. They're headed to a road, railroad, or, or, or something, that a, a cliff or whatever. It doesn't Danger. matter. Yeah. We need to, the leader needs to turn them. And if they don't turn automatically, it's liable to cost the dog their life. Yep. And, and uh, real quickly, I'll jump in. If every dog in the pound had manners, how about just sit, stay, heal, here? They're probably not there. Because yeah. if anyone didn't, they says, I can't keep a dog anymore, but you've got a well-mannered dog, people be knocking at your door and says, I'll take that dog. I'll give that dog the best health care, the best dog food, a, a warm place to sleep, a dry and stuff like that. The dogs benefit from it. And, and for the life of me, and, and maybe it's, it's, it's telling in my, in my voice right now, uh, this is something that, that I just don't understand. Because I've had people get mad at me, uh, bring, bring me a dog because it's, it's wanting to bite people. And you need to teach them not to bite. That doesn't mean you get a hammer and you, you slam them over the head. you can put a muzzle on them and teach them to teach them manners. they don't want to have manners. Well, the thing is if we don't teach them manners what what happens to them? You take them and they you t- take them to the the pound. Eighty percent of the dogs don't leave the pound they're put down no they're killed because no one wanted to give them manners. Give me a break, folks mm hmm <laughs> these dogs, these I didn't mean to di- no. interrupt you, but these dogs that uh, don't get to hunt much, I'll guarantee you the, if people follow up and, and really train these dogs, they're going to hunt a bunch. They're going to get invites to go someplace to hunt. They, they get manners. They can go to the outdoor restaurants if they've got manners. Man, it is a good life for a well-trained dog. So, and and there was a big article that had come out. Uh, someone brought it to a seminar, a PhD, I'm not going to say male, female, or whatever, uh, and says, We shouldn't make a dog do anything they don't want to do. I said, Are you <laughs> kidding me? I'm, not a, I'm a college dropout. That's a PhD, so who should know? But, I'm, uh, you know, that doesn't even make sense. Mm hmm. Now, I may be getting off.
0: No, 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 absolutely. I mean, it goes back to you, you. You can fill in the blank with any saying that you want. Give them an inch, they take a mile. Yep. Uh, corrections have to have consequences. But yep. it, but at the end of the day, it's it's, it's all the same thing. Yeah. It, it's at the end of the day, a well-trained dog with manners is an enjoyable experience oh, to be around, and it's a part of them being in the pack. And to your point, if if you're not going to lead the pack, the dog's going to step up. And they're going to assume that leadership role because they don't distinguish the difference between us and them. They just know this is the pack. This is the structure. These are the boundaries yes. that we operate within.
1: Yeah. Yep. And you know, people, I think, I, I feel, and I'm reading the people as they're leaving, they understand that. And I think they welcome that. And if, if when people are leaving after the seminar and... uh and they they come up and say thanks, I enjoyed it and stuff like that. And I hope they did. And I think they did. But uh, I, what I feel is that that dog's going to have a better home. Yes. Absolutely. He may not get to do what he thinks he wants to do. Like I get to go in and chew the wood off the, off the wall or something like that. He's going to be booted out of the house if he does stuff like that. But I think a lot of these dogs, or most of these dogs, if I hope all of, all these dogs, they got a home for life, mm-hmm. and care.
0: And I I want to get your opinion on it because you've been around this world for so long. A lot of people are under the impression that the dogs are different now than what they were back then. And you said something this weekend: the people and the outlook are different, not the dogs. So give me your thoughts on that. I mean, have the dogs gotten softer? Have people gotten softer? You know, what, what's the thought process on that?
1: You know, I'm, I'm glad you asked that because uh, I'm getting it. Our, our dogs, they, they look, you know, they're, they're nervous. They're, they're, they look like they're cold or they're fearful or got the tail tucked and all this kind of stuff. And, uh, uh, and I say, people, give them some structure. They don't know where they belong. Especially when, you, when they're out of, totally out of control and then you come into a place where all of a sudden uh, there's several people and there's several dogs and things are starting to get in, put in place. And they say, why are the dogs acting like—and I know people are not beating, going home and beating up their dogs— I, you know, I, I ask people, and you can tell the people. I says, now I got to find out. Do you beat this dog every night? And everyone laughs, laughs and it's, but and I know they don't beat their dog. Nobody wants to beat their dog up or be mean to their dog. That is, and that that is good, but if they still need structure, and. Uh, uh, they, they need to know where they belong in the pack. Now, if, you, if there's a hum, husband and a wife and maybe a teenage child, that dog needs to be number four in the pack. And they're okay where they belong. They don't say, well, it ain't fair that I don't do this. You know, they don't mope around. And, and uh, we're seeing lots of pouting dogs. They're not born knowing how to pout. So where's that pout coming from? They're not getting their way. How did they even learn how to pout? Now this kind of hurt. Uh, it's like I say. Uh, listen, you paid me to tell you this stuff, so it's patent because they don't they don't get their way. It's a good thing that they don't get their way most of the time. Now we don't want to over over hover over them. And, and, um, just per, don't, no, don't do that. Don't do this. Don't do this. Don't, don't do that. You know, we don't want to do that. That drives a dog that, nuts.
0: That ain't us, that's micromanagement. Yes. That's hacking on when we talk and, about but that. But anyway,
1: I'll get the, I, I'll get the question. I get it a lot. Is our dogs getting softer? And I said, absolutely not. A people are getting softer. Mm-hmm. What's that mean? Why, why, why softer? We get more indulgent. Indulging a dog, indulging a person, sp- spoiling a dog, spoiling a person does not help any time, any place. Prove me wrong. Mm-hmm. It doesn't work. And, you know, and this is just my opinion. And of course, you, you're interviewing me or you use it at my seminar. I get to give my opinion. Um, is it good for them? My opinion, yeah. What, what's good for them? How about teaching them just to stand still or sit still or lay still? Give them some sort of structure. You, when you step up and become the leader, you're, you'll see your dog sleep better. What that is, is it says, okay, you're in charge. I'm, I'm on, on guard. I'm watching out to see if there's any rattlesnakes coming or mountain lions. They said so we don't have any mountain lions here. But it's all about they, they can sleep because of the pack leader which is us, and pack leaders become a bad name. This, is yeah. crazy stuff, leadership. Leadership means, oh, you got to beat them up. No, it doesn't. But that dog, can, he can chill because he's in charge. He,
0: he feels safe and
1: secure. Absolutely, and, and you know, like I said, and I want to talk about Mark again because uh, I'm always, as you saw, I'm always asking him questions here. Mm-hmm. And he's got always good stuff because it's the same stuff. But it's just more serious stuff that he experienced. When he, when a platoon goes out and they've got a good leadership, this group can rest better. This group knows what they're supposed to do, when they're supposed to do it, and at the level they're supposed to do it. It's the same stuff. But obviously not as intense, but it's the same stuff. We're losing that. Yeah. Now, let's, let's go back to, the, and I just want to touch on this a little bit. The, you know, I'm going, to, yeah, I'm going to say this, and I don't think it'll embarrass my daughter. Uh, just this last summer, maybe it was last, yeah, I think it was just last summer. Um, I asked her, I said, I'd never spanked her. And, uh, it's, and it's not that I wouldn't have. And I asked her, I said, Kristen, why didn't I ever spank you or Craig? Cause, and she shot back. She says because we knew you would. I didn't have to do that because they knew they I would mm-hmm. uh, not in anger, but that's my job as the father of the, of, of the family, the unit the, yep. the pecking order and stuff like that there's nothing wrong with correction if it's with the right emotional state or for the right reasons if it's about if it's about ego and this is about dogs or yeah you know, I, I need to stay on dogs um I don't want to be the big king because I'm in charge and ego and stuff like that. No, if I need to stop him from going on that road, that's my job. Right. And I need to have the tools to do it. When I say turn or or hoe or hup or whoa or uh, stay, it needs to happen.
0: Yeah. And you, and you went right where I was headed with this because again, you know, we can talk all these things, and you and you ask Mark a lot of questions, and we were talking this morning about what. What, relates, what makes Mark and Martha yeah. relatable to so many people, and I'm reminded of the saying, and I, and I can't recall the guy's name, and I, I, I wish I did. I, I've said it a million times, but it's slipping my mind right now, is speak softly and carry a big stick. Mm-hmm. Martha speaks softly, and then Mark is the big stick, right? <laughs> they're,
1: per- they're perfect.
0: <laughs> but it, go- per- it goes to your point, consequences corrections have to have consequences. And sometimes if you show that there are consequences for a correction, you only have to show it so many times, maybe not at all, as long as they know that that consequence is there. And that's what this whole seminar, this whole weekend, how many times did you say that? We use as much pressure as we need to get the point across so Mm -hmm. that we don't have to use it Mm -hmm. the next time. Yeah, And why... Why do you think that, I mean, obviously you said that let's stay on dogs, but really, I mean, what we're talking about is is life. I mean, it's the pack mentality. It's how the structure that we operate Mm -hmm. within just as much as the dogs. And we talk about people going softer. They are afraid to correct their dogs, whether it's because the dog, that's what they want to do or not, or social media, whatever the the motivating factor is for not correcting their dogs, it's... it's getting through to people to where, no, here's the boundaries, here's the structure, you step outside a line, you have to have consequences, or else you give them that inch, they're going to take that mile.
1: And I know, I can't prove it, that had to be a dog trainer that coined that phrase. Because <laughs> if you give them the inch, they're going to take the mile. You say, well, you know, maybe I had him, I had my dog sitting, but he wanted to set over there instead of right here. But if you give that inch... Then they'll want to set over there. Then they don't want to set. Then they don't want to be in anywhere around. They want to go run or chase squirrels or, or whatever. So when you're working them, you do need you need to hold the line. Mm-hmm. And like I say, none of this when and when I say leadership, um, pack pack order, uh, correction. I, I don't. I never pick up pick up a hammer and hit them over the head with a hammer. And and nowadays people assume that you are or belly kicking them or something like that. This is, well, maybe we need to st- talk about what kind of correction. It might be just with a lead with a little jerk. Yeah. It might be with a certain dog. He needs a good jerk with that lead. It might mean we're using the level one. And as what you watched, we have, well, I don't know how many people do we have here that 20 people, I don't know, 22 or one, it doesn't matter. Yeah. And when we were doing, going through the drills, and did you hear me? When, like this, teaching their dogs to stop. And I said, "What level? What level? What level?" After we went through that one drill a couple of times, everybody was on a one, mm-hmm. not nine or ten or seven or or whatever. The first round, you'd hear you know a couple threes, couple fours, yes.
0: but then by the end of the weekend, it was if it was higher than a one, lower one, medium. Right. That was that was
1: not the norm. But that was the correction. Yes. They still need the correction. Now, the reason that low-level uh, stimulation works is because they have felt higher stimulation. Let's go to the check cord. That check cord, we want to be just, just work our wrist, and that dog cues and turns or comes to us or stops or whatever we're wanting them to do. Now, we're doing that with the e-collar. There's a time when it, it's getting started with well, that jerk maybe as hard as we can jerk with that rope and it may be with the e-collar. We may have to get up to what, whatever level. I don't know what level each dog's gonna have to use until you find out which, which one it is. But we we're always working to get down to a one. That is a willing, compliant dog. Uh, some dogs take more stimulation, but we're not. we go to that stimulation when we need it, but we're not wanting to stay there we want want them to know okay you felt say you felt a 5 now number 1 has a lot of meaning
0: mhm because they know that it can go up let's needed. go
1: and i you you probably probably ever ever kid mom said do not touch the stove <laughs> you go over there and if it's hot buddy that's the last time in your life you'll touch that stove if you go there and it's just lukewarm now you're always wanting to feel yeah
0: a hundred percent. Yeah. And, and really, there a lot of people hear this and they might be like, well, you know, that's unfair. But you use the word fair a lot this weekend, too. It is unfair if you just, without training or teaching a behavior or establishing the boundaries mm-hmm. and you go correct them, yeah. that correction has no meaning because they have no idea what they got corrected for. Right. And so there is a fairness, and that goes back to... Again, all the sayings that we've heard a million times, teach it in the short grass before the long grass. Let's fix it here. Let's fix it in the house. Let's fix it th- with yep. the everyday behaviors before we go put it on birds and we screw up that relationship between dog and birds that yep. is so coveted for us. Mm-hmm. And, and it, that's really all we're talking about here is teach them right. Where, and you know In the short grass where there is less pressure so that we can, when we go out there, to do what we're after to do, it, we don't have to correct it out there. You there you go. And yeah. and that that's something to wear. I mean something as simple as the chain gang, you know. Absolutely, it, it's that's something that honestly before I met Mark and Martha a couple years ago, I didn't utilize. Mm-hmm. I, I you know I knew about it, I'd seen it, but I oh that's old school mentality, and you know that that was a couple of years ago. And then just going to a class with Mark and Martha and them explaining it and, and ex- explaining the benefits of it and the fact that everything that they show on that chain gang you will see out in the field and you you're told that a, a lot and then you start seeing exactly what you're talking about it, it just makes all the sense in the world to where everything builds off of each other mm-hmm. and, and it's just Absolutely. keeping that consistency to where the the standard is a standard and you will not deviate and then it's fair they it, it's fair when they get corrected they're like you know what fair you yeah. you de- i deserve I to get corrected uh, yes <laughs> yes
1: you know, and, and the dogs. You know that that was good wording wording that you use. I deserved that. Mm-hmm. They own it. Yeah, you can see. Well, I ain't gonna do that again. What's that? Maybe I'm not. Maybe I'm chewing. Maybe I'm digging. Maybe I'm trying to fight my my neighbor. And we haven't far enough. They can't get together, but they can bristle each other. Yeah, bristle towards each other or, or act upset with each other. How however words. I hate when I have to try to be sound politically correct, but. Um, yeah, well, it, it, it's all right there. We had, I don't know, we had probably 30 dogs tied out there at least. I don't know. Maybe it was 20 roundabout about seven or something yeah. like that. But uh, uh, by by noon Saturday, we, we started on Friday. It was all chilled out. Mm-hmm. They knew that all their owner has stepped up to become the the, the the alpha. And he says, okay, I'll sleep. You're in charge. And when they and that's the reason that's important for us is when we go out there to start working them on birds and we've light touch it's what we're trying to do, whether it be with the e collar on the level one or the check cord I mean just not yanking around on them or stuff like that if they're willing to pay attention, the training goes well goes a lot better right you know uh because I didn't really answer answer your question on uh, some of the not some, actually, all of the uh, uh, how everything came about. I want to go back to that. Is that okay? I've had it all right. Uh, look up a book by Er Er Shelley, S H E L L E Y. First, first uh, printed about 1919. Okay, he's the one that got everybody not everybody's because a lot of people still don't train on pigeons, but he was talking about training on pigeons because he didn't have as much land as he used to have, didn't have as many birds as he used to have. And I that was printed in 1919, so he's training in 1915. or Actually, he won a national championship in nineteen six or seven, or like this. So anyway, he's going through some of the same problems we're going through right now, all right? And he's the one that started play, uh, training on pigeons. He's also one that, as far as... Uh, because I, I wanted to find out where this stuff really come from? He was one of the first ones that had a tie-out for the dogs. And he's got pictures in that book for it. And uh, uh, so a lot of it will come from him. So this is, you know, that's, that's dating back at uh, what he was doing over a 100 years ago. I know it was one of the first books that Dad told me to read when I started training. And it's a great little book. Uh, Obviously, it's out of its time, but uh, on some things, on correction and stuff like that. doesn't have anything about the e-collar and stuff like that, but it it is a good little book. Another little old book is the first printed book in uh, in America. They've got a reprint going now, and it's just a tiny book. It's Fetch and Carry, I think. I forget the name of it, but just pull up the first printed book, dog training book in America. And it's talking about being quiet. Uh, and it's it's a neat read. Just by the way they were talking. It's 1880, something like that. Just listening to kind of getting into a dog trainer's mind at that time. It's kind of cool. Uh, but there there's several good books out there. There's uh, the people to 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 listen to. Anything you can read about Clyde Morton, you read it. Um, Paul Long has a good book out there. Uh, obviously Tom Dawkins does. Um, oh gosh, my mind's going blank, cutting out. <laughs> got a, I feel I, I say I got an eight cylinder brain hitting on six cylinders. My <laughs> well, and but, I mean, th- th- this is valuable. I'm trying to
0: write all these down because I mean, again, stay thirsty, stay absolute. always figuring it out. And I mean, it doesn't back kind of full circle to where we started on this is innovating, trying to create yep. sometimes. It doesn't even involve creating something new or improving on something. Yeah. Sometimes it's just going back to the basics. It's that foundation that all of this stems from, and it yes. goes back to the common thread. The principles of dog training are still the principles of dog training. Mm-hmm. It's just how we use them mm-hmm. to get the results that we're after with these, with these amazing dogs.
1: Mm-hmm. You know, I tell you, and, and uh, I'm going to throw this in, this little uh, advertising plug. And it's the reason I'm really there uh, showing up at the Bird Dog Foundation during the Hall of Fame inductions there in Grand Junction, Tennessee, because you can just be you can be a fly on the wall in people's conversations. And they the icons are there that are still alive. OK, are people that really knew someone that's be, being elected and hearing them talk about them and what made them tick and stuff like that. There is a lot to be gained right there. You know, you don't have to know nobody. You can just blend in. Uh, of course, anyone's welcome and stuff like that. Each year, uh, I go each year, and and uh, I just, the, the pictures on the walls, the people, the dogs, the bloodlines, the dogs you've, that is, uh, the icons of the, the bloodlines and stuff like that. I highly recommend that. And uh, uh, I want to throw that in real quick.
0: Absolutely. Well, I mean, I, I live in Middle Tennessee, yeah, and I haven't I haven't made it down there. I've interviewed the Bird Dog Museum as as just a, a standalone deal, but I've yet to actually be there in person, and, and yeah. that's something that I'm going to correct, yeah, the, uh, this upcoming season for sure. But you know, it just it's amazing as as I have the privilege and, and honor in a lot of ways of interviewing people such as yourself, Martha Greenley, Bud Moore, all these people that have been around where. I don't know if the terminology old school, is, it's kind of meant as a derogatory term in a lot of ways yeah. now, but yeah. it, it's kind of like, you know, I'm I'm talking to and learning from so many people doing it yeah. in the now, mm-hmm. and then I'll come talk to y'all, and it's like, it's the same language. It is. It is the same exact language. So, you know, when people are like, oh, that's old school mentality, I'm like, well, it's just dog training mentality. Yeah. It's not old school or new school, <clears throat> it's just... There, there's really no difference as I'm talking to all of y'all and you're saying the same thing that everybody's saying. And at the end of the day, the only thing that's changing is how people go about the execution of it.
1: All right. Handling your own emotions. Okay. Our terminology. I mean, the conversation we had this morning, and this is what I really like, uh, uh, like with Mark and Martha. I said, how would you describe it? You probably heard me say, mm-hmm. say that numerous times because I want to hear the words you use. And we say the same thing. They're different words. But we're saying the same thing. And we mean the same thing. Of course, I come from Oklahoma. They're, they, they're up here in upstate New York. And we've had, had some neat guys uh, from New Jersey and, and listened to, listen to every angle. is really interesting uh, to me. And a lot of fun. Great people, as you saw. Mm-hmm. Really neat people. But, uh, yeah, you're going to get a lot of repeat. And I think when you keep hearing the repeat, obviously there's certain things that, uh, like, be quiet when you're training. If I'm saying that, and a lot of your top-notch trainers say that, why do you always hear this, this uh, well, when you do it, then you name it. Once you to have this pup set, and then name it set. Because that's what people want to hear. Just teach, like, let's take, a, let's take a, a pup, and then let's teach it to sit. After we've done it several times without saying anything, and then you go, you touch, just touch the rear end of a pup, and he sits, automatically he's doing it. Naming it after they're doing it, mm-hmm. because there's no resistance. You take that pup that he's, he's wrestling around with you, and you're saying, sit, 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 sit. What's sit mean? Wrestle around. <laughs> right. Yeah. I mean, I think about it. Yeah yeah but you know and 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 i'm not saying this is the only way because it isn't there's several other good ways yeah but i will tell you one thing it's a pretty slick way
0: yeah well and and as we kind of start wrapping this up because i mean we i feel like i could talk to you for six hours on this stuff i feel like we're i mean we're barely scratching the surface Mm -hmm. here but i mean to to just kind of put a bow on the be quiet in the field you you were talking I can't remember who you were talking to but you're mentioning something about being quiet in the field and somebody's like well what about the people that sing to their dogs because their concern was if you let them off the off the check cord or or the e-collar that they're going to go and you're like no I mean you know you're never going to say never but 99.9 percent of the people your dogs aren't going to just run off but if you're constantly saying something and they know where you are you're just going to push them away from. That's you.
1: exactly right.
0: And if you want them to come in or stay with you, be quiet because then they
1: have to pay attention to where you're at. How many different? Well, I'd say we close to 30 different dogs we turned loose this weekend, and no one said "ho, hup, sick sick'em." Even, <laughs> even when we stopped, they came in on their own. Every dog, every dog. They're pack animals. Now, that uh, there are some dog individual dogs that are a little bit renegade. But uh, you know, I have done this that drills several times. I've never had a dog run off and there, not be seen again. It just hasn't happened. That doesn't mean it won't happen next week or something like that. But percentage-wise, and I think and I've had a lot of people turn their dogs totally loose for the very first time, and they're amazed with every time we would take a hard turn, within two minutes, their dog's out in front of them again. They're pack animals. Mm-hmm. But the people, and I understand it, there's roads everywhere now and cars on it. And you're worried about them taking off and getting hit and stuff like that. But if you never turn them loose, they're never going to develop. Mm-hmm.
0: I mean, it's like you love them to death. <laughs> yep. You, you care so much you... that you squeeze them so hard that you don't let them do anything mm-hmm. and, and I mean you, you know again not to go back into society and life now but we do that with kids nowadays yep. as well kids dogs it's, it it comes from a good place mm-hmm. it's you know it, nobody's saying that it's not admirable or, or a good thing that we care that much but we're kind of getting in the way of the development but yeah. well, so. well
1: let me ask you a question cuz you're an outdoor guy okay mm-hmm. did you ever have a scab on your elbows Yeah, our knees. (laughs) Right. Yeah,
0: we called them strawberries (laughs) growing up. Yeah,
1: if you're
0: going to crash,
1: but if you if you if you if you're protected and even protect yourself, so I'll never I don't ever want to get one of them. Man, life's going to pass you by. Mm -hmm. Same thing with these dogs when you turn them loose. Well, your pup when you run, he twisted his toe or something. Yeah, he swole up you know it's it's a high this stuff we do it's a high risk occupation she says well i'm not going to turn him loose anymore because i don't want him to hurt that toe ever again that would (laughs) devastate your dog
0: yep we call it call it a day she's nine months old she sprained her toe went can't run her again (laughs) right (laughs) well and i mean to your point it's we don't know what happened. That she came back, her foot swollen, and yeah. people kept asking me what happened. I'm like, I don't know. It's bird, dog it's you know bird dog stuff. It's bird dog stuff. It's bird dog stuff. There's no telling. It could have twisted it, stumped it. Who, who knows? But, <laughs> but you know, wait, waited out, and she was back out there yesterday with us.
1: Yes. Well, what, what about us? Everyone's last night after three days of moving around, everybody's walking around gimpy and. Oh my back's killing me. All our legs are, are <laughs>
0: cramping up. It,
1: yeah. <laughs> I said, Well, let's don't do that again.
0: <laughs> never again. Don't do it.
1: Just stay in the chair and then you will never have any aches or pains or stuff well, like that. Th-
0: that's the safety zone, right? It's yeah. just like, oh man, that's we we don't want to feel pain. We don't we don't want to grow. But that's how you grow is by falling. it's waves. You ride the, the wave tops. Yeah. yeah,
1: absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely.
0: Well, Rick, I mean, again, I feel like we could talk for six hours. I know I could grill you and ask you a million questions, but maybe I – Maybe we can finish
1: it some other time. I was about
0: to say, maybe we'll link back up at Grand Junction uh, this upcoming season and continue this conversation. But I I appreciate you – First off, the, the lessons and everything, doing the seminar for everybody, but then also taking the time to, to share this information with, with me and the audience. It, it means a lot, and I, I truly value conversations such as this, and uh, I, I think it deserves to, to live out there, and uh, I, I just I look forward to getting more and more information like this with you and, and everybody else. Well,
1: I tell you what, you Mark and Martha here at Webfoot. They're as good as they come. And yep. you've, uh I think you've already spent time with Ronnie and Susanna, right?
0: I haven't met Ronnie or Susanna. Oh, is yet. that right? You got to yep. do
1: that. Yep. Uh you know we was talking about Martha this morning, and when she's got something to say, it's it's you use always good, always good, and uh, Susanna's the same way. Yeah, you got to get some of their time.
0: Well, I, it, it, they're on my list, it, yeah. and I, I'm looking forward to picking their brain just like yours, and and maybe I'll be able to meet them or link up with them in Grand Junction at least. Yeah. All right. I've enjoyed it. I appreciate it. All right, everybody. I hope you enjoyed that conversation with the legendary Rick Smith. This was presented by Standing Stone Supply. And this was something that I've wanted to do for quite some time is attend a smith method seminar in general but also more specifically a rick smith seminar i know rick is is a little getting up there in age and and you know he's probably not going to be doing these seminars for too much longer at least on the pace that he has been doing them over the years so i wanted to make sure that i i i took advantage of the opportunity to learn what i could from him at least over one weekend before it was too late, because as you guys know, if you've been listening to this podcast at any point in time, I just love milking people for information. I, I want to learn what they have, especially the people that have been around for decades upon decades doing this. Uh, they've touched more dogs than I could have hoped to imagine in my, in my life, so there's a lot of knowledge that uh, I want to capture before it's too late, before it's too gone, and Rick was one of those guys, and it was just it was truly just a valuable experience. If if anybody listening to this is on the fence, is it worth going to a, uh, a seminar or a clinic? Absolutely, 100% it is. I can't speak firsthand to a Ronnie seminar. Uh, I haven't been to one, but I only hear g- good things. I'm going to be checking one out uh, myself personally at some point. I don't have anything on the on the books just yet, but I know at some point I'll make it around to one of Ronnie's seminars, and then that that way I can kind of actually uh, compare and contrast and and you know see what what differences as well as similarities there are between the two. But uh, this was it was a great weekend. I learned a lot. I got to see a lot of aha moments, you know, a lot of light bulb moments for handlers as well as dogs, and uh, it, it was just a lot of fun, a lot of knowledge, and and you know you sit around with a whole bunch of people with a shared interest, the the echo chamber or, or whatever you want to call it, uh, you're just going to have a good time. I mean, there, there was a lot of information and a lot of value in learning different stuff from different people outside of just Rick Smith, right? You know, even just Mark and Martha, just sitting around with them talking and BSing. Uh, there's so much knowledge you can glean from people like that in, in that environment. And then uh, when I was wrapping this up, when I was about to head back home, uh, an opportunity to go walk Robert Whaley's old training grounds and property with Rick Smith and Mark and Martha and Rick Afuso. Uh, it, it was just an awesome experience. One of the coolest ones that I can recall since I've entered the gun dog world is, is just the hallowed grounds of, of the Hugh pointer, getting to walk those grounds, get to see, Some of the statues in the cemetery, the gravestones, as well as just, I mean, even just his pigeon coop. I nerded out a little bit on that. The fact that, you know, there's this old, old old-timey pigeon coop that there I couldn't even imagine how many dogs or how much impact it had within the Hugh line. Uh, It's just stuff like that I eat up can't imagine uh, not taking advantage of the opportunities such as that. So again, hope you, hopefully you pick something up from this episode. I thought there was a lot of cool, valuable information throughout. And, uh, you know, obviously I, I wish that I had four more hours with him, heck four more weeks with him to uh, get what I could from him. And and hopefully our paths cross again. Hopefully we can uh, turn around and, and do this again someday, but uh, yeah, with with that being said, I can't even list off all the things that I learned throughout the weekend, so I'm not even gonna try. I'm just gonna say thanks again, as always for hitting download and checking us out. I hope hopefully uh, you enjoyed this episode. and if you haven't already, go check the back catalog we have. A million different topics to to pick from, surely there's something that uh, will speak to you in terms of something that you're curious about or want to know more about. Uh, If you do support the podcast and you enjoy what we have and you found some value out of it, please consider joining our Patreon at patreon.com forward slash gundog yourself. Uh, At the time of this, uh, when this releases, we're going to have a Patreon Zoom room for all the patrons of the podcast to come on and we can talk about this episode and a bunch of other stuff and just have a little bit of fun. And uh, in addition to that, we have some bonus episodes. I just launched another bonus episode with nick larson from the birdshot podcast as well as some other stuff such as free stickers and, and discount codes and stuff like that so uh take take a minute consider that if you enjoy this podcast for what it's worth and again thanks as always for checking us out hitting play hitting download it means the world to us and uh i look forward to speaking to you next week thanks guys